started. Uh, greetings from Apostle Jacob and uh, his family. Uh, they are not here with us. They are in the process of welcoming uh, a visitor in their family. Amen. Shall we appreciate the Lord for what we do in that family? And uh, as they go through that process, I want you to remember them in prayers. How many of you pray for your pastor? Maombia, we send in prayers. Pray as in taking time to pray for your pastor. You know the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 3.15, if I'm not wrong, that he appoints pastors who will teach you the word. Amen? And so he is an appointee of the Lord. We are uh, Pastor Yeko, Pastor Mary. We are not the elected officials. You know, if I may speak the political language. But they are appointed, not by the president, but by the king of kings. Amen? Do you know democracy does not work in the kingdom of God? Democracy does not even work in the kingdoms of this world. Every kingdom has a king. And the king issues decrees and they have to be followed to the latter. Democracy is a thing of the world. Right? Did you know that? That is just a by the way. Amen. That is just a by the way. By the way. Are we here? <laughs> I need encouragement. Alright, everybody say Gilgal. Gilgal. When you talk of Gilgal, what comes to your mind? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, I will not put anybody on the spot. How many of you know every organization has a headquarters? The headquarters of United Nations is where? Where? New York? Meaning it is from the headquarters that all decisions are made. Amen? The headquarters of the government of the United States are where? Washington DC. It is from Washington DC that all decisions pertaining to the governance of this country of the United States come from. Amen. If things are not good at the headquarters, then the direction of that organization is unclear. And so it's true when it comes to our lives as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Gilgal is a very important place 
it occupies a very important position in the history of the children of Israel. Gilgal. Amen. Alright, turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 10. when your obedience is fulfilled. Now let's go back to Joshua. Keep that scripture in mind. And let's go back to Joshua, chapter 10. Now, it came to pass when Adonis led the king of Jerusalem, hard. Everybody say hard. Hard. How Joshua had taken air and had actually destroyed him. And as he had done to Jericho, as he had done to Jericho and his, its king, so he had done to Ai and its king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. When God moves mightily in your lives, he does not do so in private. Amen. When God moves in your life, when God does that which is impossible with man, when God elevates you, he does not do it in private. He does it in public. There is no victory that is private. Victories are always public and God makes, uh, makes it public and shows it great and mighty to many that they may hear it, that they may see it and they may know that truly he is God and there is no other. Amen. And for many of you who have heard testimonies of how God has moved into your lives, how God has done things in your life that you thought at one time they were impossible. When he does them, people around you will hear about it. Amen? Either they will see it or they will hear. 
Amen. Either they will see it or they will hear it. Not just your fellow brethren in the faith, including your enemies. Including your enemies. The move of God in your life will attract people who will find themselves in awe of God and they will join you and celebrate with you in that victory. Also, when God moves, either to punish disobedience in your life, like was in the case of Ananias in Acts chapter 5, the whole church, the Bible says, they were in awe. Even though Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, the fact that Peter pointed it out, there was fear that engulfed the church and people were in awe of who God is. And so every move of God will attract people to fear him and to be in reverence of who he is. But there's also another group of people that every move, every victory God secures in your life will attract. And those are people who will be jealous of what God is doing in your life. Amen? How many of you have ever experienced that? God moves mightily on your behalf. And rather than people celebrating you, they are jealous of you. They even start speaking against you, spreading slanderous rumors against you. Amen. When you receive a promotion in your job place, they start saying maybe he knows the boss of beginner user. And they start spreading rumors. Amen. And there is still another group of people that every move of God will attract in your life. And that is your enemies. That is your enemies. And so the fact that you have a testimony does not stop your enemies from attacking you. Does not stop your enemies from ganging up together to destroy your name. Amen? Now it came to pass when Adam the king of Jerusalem heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as it had done, as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king. And how the inhabitants of Gideon had made peace with Israel and were among them. And so these people of Gideon they saw what God did and they understood whom they stand against. And in their wisdom, they sought to form an alliance with the nation of Israel, lest they fall under the judgment of God. Amen. So when it comes to this, yes, they were wise. Although the children of Israel violated one of the commandments of God, not to sin, but rather to destroy the nations and the inhabitants in the promised land. And so, Adam is a dead king of Jerusalem, heard what God is doing for Israel. Chapter 2, verse 2, sorry. 
that they feared greatly because Gideon was a great city like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all its men were mighty. Now they were wondering if Gideon, that was a great city, would submit themselves to the children of Israel. Then probably we don't stand the chance. Verse 3. Therefore, Adam is the death of the king of Jerusalem, sent to Oman, king of Hebron, Aram, king of Jamal, Jaffia, king of Lachish, and Deba, king of Elbron, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Did I not say, when God moves in your life, it does not scare the enemy away. Rather, that fear causes the enemy to gang up against you. How many of you, after God has moved mightily and you have a very powerful testimony, that shortly after the opposition you face is actually even greater than the opposition you had before? How many of you, when God has done great and mighty things in your life, shortly after you're going through a season of hardship, you have no idea what is going on in your life? Do not be shocked, because every move of God will also attract the enemy. Amen? Now, we had the scripture earlier, 2 Corinthians 10, 6 that until all the obedience inside is fulfilled, then you are able to punish the disobedience outside. Now here is what I want you to say, here is what I want you to say all this afternoon. We are not here just to consume the blessings of God. We are not just here to feel good about ourselves and to wait upon for God to move great and mightily on our behalf. We have an assignment on each one of us and that is assignment is dependent on your obedience being fulfilled inside so that you can carry out the details of the assignment and punish the disobedience outside. Amen? Gilgal is a place where the children of Israel finally had to radically obey the commandments of God. Number one, we know it is a place of memory, a place of memory. They elected, erected a memorial of, of, of a remembrance, or rather a remembrance of how God moved them and crossed River Jordan. That is in the same book Joshua, uh, I think, uh, chapter 5. And so they have been in wilderness all this time, and they have now crossed River Jordan, and they are ready to conquer and to punish the disobedience that was existing in the promised land. And let me say this, we believe in the promises of God. They are yes to Christ and amen 
to us. Amen. But we have not yet received the promises. We have received some, and there are those that we are yet to receive. But in those promises, there is an occupying force that is rebellious to the word of God. In order to obtain the promise, we must fight the force that is holding that promise and punish that disobedience in order now to get the promise. Amen. Amen. Daniel set himself to pray and an answer was released. But despite the fact that an answer was released, there was an occupied post holding on to the answer that he did not get the answer right away. There are things that, that God has promised you, but you have not yet received because there is an occupying force that is holding captive your promises, that is holding captive your breakthroughs. You could be trusting God for a child, but there is an occupying force that is holding captive your breakthroughs. Some of us, our promotions are being held captive. Our marriages are being held captive by an occupying force. It has been given to us, but we only are able to punish the disobeying spirits that hold captive the promises that God has released to you, the things that God has released to you, to punish that disobedience in order to obtain or to take hold of that which has been promised to you. When God called the children of Israel to go to the promised land, he did not say that there will be giants. There were nations already occupying the promised land. The Canaanites were already occupying the promise of Israel. And God elected Israel to go and punish the disobeying spirits, the occupying force, and to utterly destroy them in order to, in order to take hold of the promise. But they were only, or they would only do that when their obedience is fulfilled. And that is where now Gilgal becomes very important. It was not just a place of memory. It was a place where their obedience was to be radically fulfilled. How? Remember the previous generation, while they were in wilderness, they failed to believe and trust God. And God sought to eliminate that generation that now he may have a new generation that will now go and punish the disobedience and take hold of the promise of the land of Canaan. Amen? Let's go there. Joshua 5. Now, That's one. So it was when the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan 
and all the kings of Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make clean knives of yourselves, of your, for yourself, and circumcise the sons of Israel again to the second time. I'm actually asking God to help me understand that verse. They were circumcised again. Amen. That's mine. So Joshua made plate knights for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill uh, of the foreskin. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way of Egypt, on their way. And after they had come out of Egypt, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, that all the people who born, people born in the wilderness on the way as they walked, as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel who walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people were, who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of God. So God had to do away with a disobedient generation and begin with a new generation that was obedient to this world. Because you cannot punish disobedience outside until your obedience is fulfilled. Glory be to God. Now, I presume you already know the answer to why some of us are not receiving our breakfast. There is a place that we need to fulfill the obedience inside in order to grow and lay hold of that which God has promised us and to obtain it. For all the promises of God are yes in, in, uh, in, in Christ and amen in us. Glory be to God. And so Gilgal is a place of radical obedience. Where it is no longer about you, it is about God. The word of God. The first one I say it is a place of memory. How God dried up the waters of the Jordan, just as he did with the waters of the Red Sea. How he dried up the waters of Jordan and the children of Israel were able to come in to the land of promise and they were now ready to obtain the promise. There are a number of other things that took place in Gilgal. Amen. There are a number of things that took place in Gilgal. Now, I say when the enemies hear what God is about to do, they plan to attack. Amen. But we shall look at that. The other thing that I want to share with you about uh, Gilgal, the Bible says in Joshua 5, we will go away to 12. It was a place where uh, the manna saved. Amen. Verse 11 And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover, and leavened bread and patched again, patched grain 
on every on the very same day. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Amen. It is now where God has now empowered you to begin enjoying the abundance of life. Remember, they did not cultivate the land that day. They ate of the land of Canaan. They did not go to work that day. The land responded to them. Amen? We also hold Gilgal as a place of importance because it is also the place where Joshua met Jesus Christ, the commander of the Lord's army. All this was before they began advancing to punish the disobedience that was in existence in the land of Canaan. Amen? Now, back to verse chapter 10. We have seen why Gilgal is a very important place. Just because God moves mightily on your behalf, it does not stop the enemies from ganging up together and fighting you. Amen? After every victory, after every victory, there is an opposition coming after. After you have secured your victory, there will be opposition coming after you. And this is the reason why many Christians, after God has moved mightily on their behalf and has given them what they have been trusting him for, that they sleep and the enemy attacks and the next thing you hear is things are happening to them and you cannot understand. It does not make sense. And therefore it becomes very important how we perceive the victories of Jesus Christ. Now, your obedience is, on, is not only fulfilled on the day you enter the promise. This is a daily thing. This is a moment by moment, a minute by minute. You could be fulfilling the obedience inside one minute and the next minute you have stepped out of the obedience of Jesus Christ. We know that because the children of Israel Time and again, when they were under oppression, they called on God. God delivered them from the, uh, from the oppression and they sought, or rather they vowed to obey the word of God. To remain in reverence to Jesus Christ and they would be in that state and they would begin eating the, the, the promise. They would begin to consume the promises of God. They would begin to live in prosperity and in abundance. And soon after they forget about the previous victory and they fall back. Six times in the book of Judges, they went through that cycle. 
And that goes to tell us that it is not a one-day thing. Amen. Jesus says, if you desire to follow me, you must lay down your cross daily. Not lay down. Deny yourself daily. You must deny yourself daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow me daily. The fulfillment of obedience on the inside is not a one-time event. It is a lifestyle. Say lifestyle. Lifestyle. In the morning I spoke about underestimating the sin of the flesh that so easily ensnares us because we think it's a one-time thing. Just because I walked with God yesterday does not mean that I'll walk with God today. Amen? Just because God spoke to me yesterday does not mean that I no longer need to hear him. He tells Abraham, tell them, not Abraham, Moses. When Moses asks, whom shall I say that sent me? He tells Abraham, Moses, tell them that it is I am, I am who I am, the ever-present, ever-present God. And so in order for our obedience to be fulfilled, then we must be always in the presence of the Lord. To walk daily in the presence of the Lord. Amen? Uh, verse 6. And so these five kings, they have gathered these enemies. They have gathered after they heard how God moved mightily on behalf of the children of Israel, the victories that they had secured. And rather than being scared and running away, they were scared to a point where that fear emboldens them to attack the children of Israel. But in their cleverness, they knew and they understood that they cannot attack Israel directly. And therefore, how do we attack Israel? We attack Gibeon. Amen? When you are standing with God in a place of fulfillment of your obedience, the enemy knows that he cannot touch you. And so he resolves to touch people around you. And then you wonder, why is my husband fighting me? Why are my children fighting me? Why are my friends against me? When you're thinking that you are in the right alignment with God, that everything else should align automatically. No, 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 no. The enemy is not scared. Amen. The enemy is not. And that is not to scare you. That is not to scare you. That is to arm you. These five kings, they had heard 
And as a matter of fact, they had seen how God moved with the children of Israel, punishing Jericho, the walls of Jericho, came tumbling down, punishing Ai and their kings. And rather than getting away and walking away, getting out of the promised land, they gathered up together against the children of Israel, not directly, but indirectly. And so when you sense the attack of the enemy, because he will attack things that are around you, it is not for you to start wondering and questioning. Arm yourselves. Amen? Now Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, verse 6, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up. To us quickly, save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwelt in the mountains have gathered together against us. Verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of war. Now Joshua ascended, meaning Gilgal was in a place, uh, in a valley. And so throughout the night, Joshua ascended with his men to go and aid Gideon. Amen? He moved from a place of complete obedience. Now, how many of you know that in order to secure the promises that have been delivered to you, it has, in as much as God has spoken, in as much as God has declared he also needs you to partner with him. Not because he does not have enough strength. Not because he might not be able to get it all done. He is able. In fact, when you read the story, you will find that the hailstones that God released from heaven killed much more men than the children of Israel would. But he desires to partner with you in order that you may have a secure hold on the promises that he has released to you. Amen? And so we must then mature from this thinking that if God has said it, so it shall be yes, that he needs you to partner. He is able to do it, but he needs you. And let me explain this. God is spirit. God is. He created this earth, but he created the earth for men. Now, for man to function on earth, the man who was created had to be given a physical body which gives him a legal entity to function on earth. And so through all the scriptures, God is looking for a man who will partner with him. Not because he's not able to. He is able and he can do it all by himself. But you give God the legal grounds to move on your behalf. The children of Israel were not going to conquer the land of Canaan with their own might. The nation of Israel gave God a legal entity to go and punish the disobedience that were occupying 
the land of promise. But he needed the children of Israel to be partakers in this. Amen. So sometimes, <laughs> I think I heard of a speaker. There's a speaker my wife loves listening to. And at the time he was talking about this body. Do not neglect, take care of this body. Because this is the body that allows you to go preach the gospel. I can stand here and scream all I want. Amen? But if somebody is out on the streets and needs the world, if I neglect this body, I will not be able to go to that person and reveal the gospel to him. So this is a very special property that has been entrusted in your hands. Amen? And the, and the enemy knows because he cannot attack, attack you, you being the spirit man, sometimes he wants to attack you, the physical man, to attack your body so that you can be maimed and be unable to go preach the gospel, be unable to go and punish the disobedience out there. And so Joshua, in the next verse, I believe, or the next two, but yeah, the next verse was eight. The Lord promises Joshua, do not fear, for I have delivered them into your hands. Now, I have heard immature Christians, allow me to say that, who argue that if God says so, then he can do it. I don't need to be there. Sit back. And I believe it is the reason why many Christians live a defeated life. Because they have not understood the value of this body in partnering with God. God told Joshua, Do not fear, for I have delivered them into your hands. Joshua would have just stayed back. Why do I need to climb hills all night and lose my sleep? partner with him to get that which he has said he will do for you. Amen. So the Lord said Joshua did not step back. Remember he is moving from a place of complete obedience. He is moving from a place where his obedience is fulfilled. God did not tell Joshua rise up and go. No. God did not tell Joshua, all right, gather your men and go. No. The Lord just said, I have delivered them into your hands. And he says, not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua had to make up his mind and gather his men and ascend the hills to go to aid 
Gibeon. Even though the pact they had with Gibeon was wrong in the first place. He knew and he understood he has to keep his word. And that goes on to say that in order to lay hold of the promises God has released to you, number one, let the obedience in you be fulfilled. Not a one-time thing. It's not an event. It is a lifestyle. Number two, God needs you to be a partaker in the things that God is doing. A partaker in the divine nature. God needs you. Amen. Verse 9. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly having done what? Marched all night from Gilgal. Having marched all night from Gilgal. Verse 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth-Aram, and struck them down as far as Azek and Makeda. Who did this? The Lord. Amen. The Lord. Verse 11. And it happened as they fled before Israel, and were on the descent, descent of Beth-Aram, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed. When the soil, I think you just spoke about that as well. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Now, these now are the benefits of living and functioning from a place of obedience. During Kesha, I've, uh, those who attended Kesha, I have said that we are we, we are superior beings. We have a lot of power within us. We can even speak to nations, creations. We can speak to creation and the creation responds. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that the creation groans earnestly waiting for the revelation of the children of God. Amen? Now, how then do you speak to creation? How then do you punish the disobedience that is corrupting creation? You can only punish them from a place of obedience. Joshua, from a place of obedience, spoke to the Lord concerning the sun and the moon. And nowhere else in the Bible is recorded that God did 
heeded the voice of a man, I think that should be the next verse. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, whatever you ask for, you shall receive it. He says elsewhere, I think this is in Mark 22, that if you speak to this mountain to move, it shall move. The question is, who are you and where are you operating from? Amen. Am I communicating? Yes. We take the issue of obedience so lightly. And then we wonder why are things not happening for us? Jesus has promised abundance of life. Why are we not experiencing this abundance? Just because God has moved mightily in your life does not stop the enemy from attacking you. If anything, it emboldens the enemy to even wage more attacks on you. Jesus, <laughs> he says, in this world you shall have trouble. And so trouble should not surprise us. When the enemy attacks things that are attached to you, don't be surprised. Actually, in every attack, it is a confirmation that you are actually walking in a place of obedience. Because in order to push darkness away, in order to punish disobedience, that we must push it and allow the light to shine. I believe it's in this service that our senior pastor spoke about the light. We cannot allow our light to be under a table or covered in a basket. Then it becomes useless. And the only way the light will shine brighter in you is when you are fulfilled. Your obedience is fulfilled. Meaning, the only thing that moves you is the commandments of God, the Word of God. Your delight is in the Word of God. And so if God says go left and everybody else says go right, when the public opinion says this is the way and God says no, this is the way, even though you are by yourself, you are in obedience to the word of God and your life is able to shine brighter and brighter. I was under this wrong impression in my growing up that we have been called to broadcast the message and to save many. And truly enough, we have been approaching the gospel from that perspective. After all, we have been taught that the more souls you save, the greater is your reward. That is true. But you are not called to be a nominal Christian. You are called to be a disciple. Discipleship is from the word discipline. 
you're a disciple of somebody when you walk in their footsteps you do as they tell you to do you don't go there and you tell them i know you don't go there and you start giving your own ideas and suggestions no you do as they have commanded you or instructed you to do Jesus Christ when he spoke to the multitudes he spoke in parables but when he spoke to the disciples he taught them word by word I love technology I'm a fan of technology I like as right now we are online and we want our messages to be broadcasted but certainly God was telling me this morning there are things that I give you there are things that I have given mighty men of God that were not supposed to be for the public consumption but sorry for many of us I included we like to broadcast ourselves God has said this is not for public consumption. This is for those who desire to walk in my footsteps. Everywhere Jesus taught, he taught the disciples. He called them to himself and he taught them the deeper things of God. I had not that understanding. I used to think ours is to call people to be born again and that is good. But the Bible says many are called and few are chosen. Those who are chosen are those who have given themselves over to the obedience of Jesus Christ. The obedience inside is fulfilled. Those are the ones who are chosen. Amen. Amen. Now when I think about it, it's hard because I want to be on my ministry. I want my ministry to grow, right? Get ready. You want people to know you are a good worship leader. But there are things God gives you for you and a select group of people who will be under your leadership that you may nurture them because that is a secure thing for you and you alone. No wonder the gates uh, to the path of righteousness and narrow the path is narrow and the gate is small and very few find it very few find it that that's what Matthew said right very few find it that verse is not there by accident and so one of the things I'll tell you I'll be honest with you is to learn to hold a lot of things that God is revealing to me until he says this one you can teach online this one you can speak to the multitudes and learn to hold back amen because it's not the audience of one the only way we can punish disobedience outside is when the obedience inside is fulfilled There is no victory that God grants you. There is no move of God in your life 
that is private. You abide in the most secret place. Amen. Seek God in private. Seek God. Dwell there. Stay there in private. Let God himself exalt you and show you great and mighty before nations. That's his job. That's his just description. He will be the one to elevate you. You'll be in a place of complete obedience. This morning there was a verse we were looking at. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, verse 4. Striving against sin, striving against the desire to be known, striving against the desire to have a good reputation, the desire to have your needs met, the desire to be acknowledged, the desire. You know, that desire, that fleshly desire to exalt itself. You strive against it. You have not done it. Strive, you have not shed blood striving against sin. And I pray that God gives us the courage. Gives us the courage to fulfill the obedience inside. It's only then that when you go out there, even without uttering a word. The light that shines in you is enough to punish the disobedience outside. Amen. Amen. God is not afraid to share with you His glory. He is ready to come to, to, to take you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from one breakthrough to another, but be less assured there will be opposition against you. But with or without opposition, set your mind on God. Amen? Set your mind on God. Make it a daily pursuit to fulfill the obedience inside. But for that to happen, then you must surrender everything that you hold family to. Let God take care of it. You be in obedience and partner with Jesus in obtaining the promises he has released to you and securing the inheritance that is already yours. Amen. You see, you cannot say I surrender and still fight back. Amen? You cannot say I surrender and still fight back. If we can allow Jesus with Jesus in our lives, not just a Savior, but Lord and Savior. You know who a Lord is? How many of us have a landlord? When you have a landlord, do you do what you want to do in that house? Whose house is it anyway? It's the landlord's, right? 
You cannot add rooms. You cannot paint it however you want. You have to check with your landlord. What your landlord says, that goes. So if Jesus is the Lord over my life, this is his body. Read the first or second Corinthians 6.20. This body belongs to him. The spirit belongs to him. He is the Lord over my life. And so I surrender every control. I do what he says and I choose to partner with him first for instance. I choose to partner with him. I choose to be a partaker in the divine things. Amen? And so when he says, I have secured for you this victory, it is not for you to sit back. It is for you to go and claim it. Amen? It is for you to go and if it means climbing up the hill throughout the night as Joshua did, so be it. That it is he who does. He is able to do it without you. But he needs you because you give him a legal ground to move and function on this earth. The earth was created for man. And that's why Lucifer, the Garden of Eden, when he was tempting Eve, he had to study and see what animal or what thing would give me a legal entity into this earth to fulfill my purpose. And he studied the animals and he saw the serpent seems to be more cunning than all other beasts ever used the serpent. And he approaches the serpent and the serpent gives him the ground, the legal ground to tempt him. God needs you. You give him an opportunity to show himself strong and mighty on your behalf. Be a partaker, therefore, in the things of God. Amen? But remember, every move of God will attract opposition. Do not be scared, however. You are with him. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in that world. It does not negate the fact that there is a force in the world. It is there. But he who is in you is greater than that force. Be strong and courageous there. Amen.